Welcome to the... Welcome to the Sky Sanctuary with Grey 4. Good morning, afternoon, evening or night, wherever you are in the world. I am Grey 4 and this is the Sky Sanctuary here on Radio Sega. This year seems actually quite ripe for anniversaries. We've got the one year anniversary for the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. Has it really been a year already? It's been over 30 years since the Wonder Mega was released. And while this year also celebrates 25 years since the release of the Dreamcast, what we're going to concentrate on this episode is the 25th anniversary of one of Sega's riskiest but most successful handheld consoles, the Lucicast. But how can the Lucicast be considered risky, I hear you ask? Well, what was the last handheld console that Sega produced before this one? I'll give you a moment. I'm talking about the Nomad. While the Nomad was considered at its time a technical marvel, due to it basically being a Mega Drive, but portable, it suffered the same problem with it that the Game, did, uh, the, the game Gear did. Its insatiable hunger for batteries. Uh, it also released in 1995, which, for those of you who actually are more on top of these sorts of things, was just a year before a certain super popular game came out for Nintendo's Game Boy, which happened to feature little pocket-sized creatures. That, coupled with the fact that Sega's already had spread itself across several other consoles, those being the Mega Drive and its various add-ons, the Mega CD and the 32X, there was of course the Saturn, the Game Gear, the Pico, and the Master System. Yeah, yeah, the Master System was still being supported by that point, and continued to all the way up until they stopped in 1996 in Europe. Though, technically, it's still being supported in Brazil, that weird other world where Sega continues its, its glorious conquest of providing a master system in every home, but only in Brazil. But that's a story for another time. With all this, it basically meant that there wasn't much in the way of resources that they could focus into any one area. So, what we're going to do Listen to a couple of tracks, come back, and delve a little deeper into the origins of the Lucicast. Catch you in a bit.
there was Powerstone 2 ST underscore 02 underscore 0 it's a name that just rolls off the tongue isn't it and then following on from that we had Jet Set Radio with Mischievous Boy so due to the failing sales or falling sales even of these consoles it was decided to basically cut back and start afresh with one home console and one handheld so they stopped all sort of additional contributions into the various consoles they had going because, as I say, spread out thin, so thin. So, what were these two consoles? These would be the Dreamcast and the Lucercast. While originally known under its name of Yellow Belt, which went alongside the Dreamcast's original two-split plan of Black Belt and White Belt, these being the code names for the US and the Japanese development groups, it was renamed Tanto to be in line with the Dreamcast's new Katana codename, as this is the direction they went with, with the Japanese console version. So, that being the direction they wanted to go down, they had to make some other decisions as well. They wanted to throw in the extra challenge of making the consoles compatible. So, with the previous consoles, you've not really had much that they've been able to do together as such. So. You've not had, say, a Game Gear interact with a Mega Drive. This is where this comes in. What they wanted to do was to have these consoles support each other, or at least let them link together in some fashion. This ultimately led to them making one huge team 
that sort of split the work evenly, once across the looser cast and once across the Dreamcast. So they were working very closely together, sharing ideas back and forth, which both improved the handheld, which both improved the home console, and ultimately led to the, the wonder that we have here. Which also led to also some of the features we've seen replicated then in consoles that came from other companies, like Nintendo with their Game Boy Advance, and Sony's then PSP handhelds. What it ultimately led to, though, was the Dreamcast becoming portable alongside having the home consoles. You, you have the looser cast, which is effectively a slightly pared down, but essentially it's a Dreamcast. It has the same button layout, so you wouldn't have to worry about learning new button arrangements when switching from one console to the next, so going from the handheld to the home console. But it also meant because it had the same button layout, they managed to work out the compatibility that by letting you use the looser cast as a controller for the console. So using the link cable that you would get supplied with the console, the handheld console itself, with the looser cast, you could plug that into your Dreamcast and use that as a controller. But what about storage, I hear you say? Being a portable console, it's going to need its own storage, isn't it? So what they did is they built it into it. What you got was 512 megabytes of inbuilt storage with the capability of adding extra, which is four times the amount that you would get in a standard VMU. So while you could still use the VMUs with the home console, you can use this to store not only your Lucercast games data, but the Dreamcast game data as well, and carry it with you. You also got access to all the VMU games that you get as well on the VMUs themselves. So it's essentially, honestly, I was wondering why they didn't just bother making the Lucercast entirely, renaming that the Dreamcast, just making that the whole console. So, now I've done a lot of talking to the actual console itself, we're going to have a look at a few of the launch titles. But first, some more music. So we'll catch you in a bit and see how far we get.
and we are back. What we had there was Heaven from Outrigger, and following on from that we had My Sweet Passion from one of the Sonic Adventure Remix albums. So, launch titles. The first launch title was the much-anticipated sequel to Nights into Dreams, Nights Lucid Dreamer. This may very well have led into the reason behind the Lucid cast's name. It's a little unsure at this point. Initially released as part of a bundle with the Lucicast in 2000, you play as knights, travelling between the dreams of children across the world who've been rendered as eternal sleepers by the evil Wiseman, who's looking at drawing on the power of the numerous dreamers to succeed where he failed in the first game by trying to bring himself into the real world. The game itself starts with the doctor walking through a hospital ward, beds filled with children all found to be in an unexplained coma. When they reach the last bed itself, they pick up the patient chart and the camera pans to look at the chart itself. And this then leads into us actually getting to create our own character. Obviously due to the limitations of the console itself, it's not going to be as in-depth as some games you might get these days, but you still at least had around eight different face, hair and clothing styles each with which to choose from. On top of that, you also got to alter the colours of the hair and the clothing to add a little more personality to your model. Once you've created your player, you'll then see that model thrown into a dark dungeon world where you're being chased by nightmarish creatures. And just as you're about to be captured, lo and behold, Knights appears, fighting the nightmares away and asking for your help in freeing the other children who are trapped just like you. As the game plays out, you'll be shown how to use your idea to call on knights, and then you, as knights, using the ability of flight to navigate the level, collecting idea essence, so rather than the idea itself, the essence of idea, residue from the other children whose idea had been stolen. To complete each level, you need to collect a number of idea essence, free captured dreamers, and manage to leave before the portal closes to the next stage, so you do have a little time element towards the end. You'll fight across a number of nightmares, or various stages, with each of their respective bosses, including the likes of horrifying clowns, teachers, monstrous vegetables, because as we all know, kids hate vegetables, ending with a big fight against Wiseman himself, who's managed to open a portal to the real world, but just before it pulls through, obviously, you're there to stop him. You have to destroy these clusters of idea that he's collected to make the portal unstable, thus pulling Eisman into the portal itself as it's collapsing, trapping him in the realms between ours and the world of dreams, rendering him neither awake nor asleep. Honestly, I'm surprised this game doesn't get as big of a, uh, a, a shout-out as uh, the original game itself, uh, probably because not as many people picked up the console, who knows. But we'll go on to the second launch title uh, after this musical break. So... Speak to you in a bit.
we're back. That was the uh, OC Remix Claws Jam, El Le Key Sparkle. Not sure if I pronounced that part right. Um, but before that, we had from Nights into Dreams, The Dragon Gave a Loud Scream. Now, on to our second launch title. This was Ready to Rumble, t- uh, Ready to Rumble with the two, uh, Street Boxing. This game follows very much a similar playstyle as Ready to Rumble Boxing, where you face up against fellow boxers in a ring for a chance to be crowned the Ready to Rumble Boxing Champion. Although this time, the fight's been taken to the streets, with a range of street fighters, <laughs> not that kind, uh, who feel that the rules of the ring are just a bit too strict. Similar to Knight's Lucid Dreamer, you can create your own boxer, and as you progress through the various modes, you can unlock different outfits, hairstyles, and different fighting arenas. These include ones of early morning, day, night, as well as obviously ones from, say, the standard street itself, down on the docks, even up to a rooftop fight. The different modes in question include your standard arcade, where you fight through a series of rounds against increasingly tougher opponents until you reach the top, where you can then pop in your uh, uh, your initials and obviously have that recorded for posterity. You also have the Street Championship, which, similar to this championship, uh, has you using a fighter, in this case your created character, uh, to participate in fights, getting stronger, gaining fame, fortune and glory. You'll also have the ability of training throughout the course of this, obviously getting your character up to scratch, making sure they're tough enough to face off against the other opponents. You'll also have a versus mode, which is kind of expected. It's a fighting game you're expected to have to fight somebody else, not just uh, uh, the NPCs, CPUs even. So this is where the link cable comes in again. Thankfully, it was designed that you could do this, so you could plug in one end to both either consoles, uh, similar to as you would see with the link cables from the Game Boy originally, and you can face up against each other in a one-on-one fight. One of the best features, though, comes thanks to Midway designing both this and Ready to Rumble Boxing side by side. This lets you use the link feature to link your console, or your Dreamcast and Lucidcast together, and use your created fighter in the Dreamcast game. Doing so will also unlock various unique cosmetics and even get you access to the various boxing rings as additional arenas. Though these aren't accessible in the arcade modes, uh, they are accessible in one-on-one fights or training matches. So we're going to go into the final musical break. I'll catch you in a bit.
and we are back. Uh, that was uh, the King of Fighters 99 Evolution uh, Z8 or Z8 underscore BGM18. Again, these wonderful songs, they're titles that just roll off the tongue. And before that, we had Capcom vs. SNK2, the theme of Guki, Guki, Goku, I don't know. Um, and that was the remixed version of that. So I would like to thank each and every one of you who have listened into this show today. Uh, if you need to listen to it after the fact, um, this has been a an idea for an April Fool's episode that I've had for a couple of years now. Um, I'm only now just been able to get everything to line up for me to actually record it. So I hope you've all enjoyed it as much as I have making it. Uh, a big shout out to Skyblaze with all the help that they've given in terms of helping me trying to at least get the music all sorted. <laughs> um, they are clearly the master of this, uh, and yeah, I'm I'm very unlikely ever to to take over the show fully at that point. It's very unlikely there. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you all for for joining in, listening in. Uh, I hope you've all had a blast listening to this. Uh, depending upon when this is going to like to have finished, because I think it's getting to about the 45-minute mark, just about getting close after the ending music plays. Um, we'll probably be, me and Skyblaze that is, uh, be at Kokorokon. Uh, we've been there for a day already. Skyblaze have had their set on the Friday, which, fingers crossed, would have gone fantastically. Uh, and we'll likely be uh, dancing the night away, or... or having drinks with friends for the Saturday night because there's likely another disco going on Um, so yeah after this um, I am going to go out on a limb and say that Gabby's on next after this, I've got my fingers crossed there Uh, but we'll be back next week, don't know quite sure uh, as to what we've got planned for the next Hidden Palace but we'll hope you'll join us all the same so once again thank you all for joining in I hope you've had a blast and uh to go out on we are going to finish with Persona 4 Golden uh, a new world fool for an April Fools thank you again and have a great night bye bye
Enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radioessie.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.